Hello. Welcome to the legends of King Arthur and his knights. Chapter 38, The Dreams of the Unworthy. Before I start, let me apologise for the lateness of this chapter. I've been suffering from a cold, from which I'm still recovering, but hopefully now my voice is in a good state so that I can record the episode properly. So, on with the chapter. Sir Lancelot of the Lake was morose and uncomfortable. He'd been told a number of times that he wouldn't achieve the quest for the Grail, but he was still trying. Was there really any point? Sir Gawain of Orkney had ridden around for a long time without meeting any adventure at all. Sir Hector de Maris had barely got started. Sir Lancelot's brother hadn't even been given a sign. Three knights. Three knights unworthy of the quest for the Grail, but carrying on anyway. Three knights who were about to be given glimpses of the future. Lancelot's mood didn't improve when he was accosted by a squire who gave him an earful about his affair with Guinevere. Yet again he was told he was a worthless sinner. Almost in tears and grief-stricken beyond belief, he rode off and spotted a low dwelling. Thinking that he was definitely in need of spiritual guidance, he approached the building. An old monk sat in front of the hermitage in contemplation. He seemed to be weeping. Lancelot, sensing a kindred spirit, asked him what was wrong. The old man pointed to a dead white-haired man lying on the floor of the chapel. He spoke. Oh, you look nearly as sad as me, but now there's something I must do. The old man spoke some strange unknown words. Lancelot watched in horror as in response to the incantation, the devil appeared. What have you summoned me for? roared the beast. Why do you plague me? I want to know how my friend died and whether his soul will be saved. He will be saved, unfortunately, groaned the devil. He helped his nephew in a battle against his enemy, despite the fact that he was a churchman. He returned to the hermitage and prayed, but his nephew's enemy sent two men to take revenge. They wouldn't kill him while he was praying in the church, but when they left they shouted that he was a dead man. Then they wasted no time and beheaded him. Except they didn't, because the swords just bounced off. He told them he was protected by that idiot God. He told them he would only die if it was God's wish. They threw him on a fire. When the fire had gone out, they discovered he was indeed dead, but his body was unharmed. So, you see, the annoying God chap has saved him. With that, the devil disappeared in a fireball of irritation, burning trees as he went. The old man, much cheered, asked Lancelot if he'd help bury his dead friend the following day. Lancelot, of course, agreed readily, and they began to talk. The old man asked him who he was, and was very interested in the answer. When he was told that Lancelot sought the Holy Grail, his forehead creased into a frown. Ah, Lancelot, my friend, you may seek the Grail, but you will not achieve it. You were a virtuous knight. You had strength, the strength of many men. You were humble and willing to serve. You were long-suffering, always having the fortitude to carry on with any challenge, even when the going got tough. Most of all, you had that great virtue charity. You would have given away riches to anyone who needed them. When poor men came to court, like young Beaumains, now the noble Sir Gareth, you would have given them your last possession. But now you are lost. The enemy who we saw a little while ago tempted you with the beautiful Guinevere, and you succumbed to the temptation. You are lost, my friend, lost. If you had not sinned with your master's wife, then maybe you could have achieved the grail. Now, most definitely, you will not. I will hear your confession. 
If you truly want to change and not sin with the Queen any longer, then you will be forgiven and you will live well in the future. But give up this quest. You will not succeed and it will bring you down. Lancelot promised that he wanted to change his life and live virtuously. The monk blessed him. The following day they buried the dead man. The monk told Lancelot he must wear a hair shirt from that day on. If he continued the quest, which was futile, then he must go to church every day and not consume any wine or meat until it was over. Lancelot nodded sincerely and then put on the hair shirt. The bristles scratched and irritated him, but that was what they were supposed to do. Lancelot rode off. Sir Gawain of Orkney was highly unimpressed. He had led the call to go on the Grail quest, but it had been extremely boring so far. He'd managed to kill a few knights in company with Sir Uwain and Sir Gareth, but that was the sum total of his excitement so far. Sir Disgruntled of Orkney was musing on his inactivity when he ran in to Sir Hactoff de Maris. Hector had been faring no better. Both glad to see each other, they had a chat and discovered that neither of them had done any better than the other. They talked about the other questing knights they'd bumped into along the way. They had news of everyone except Galahad, Percival, Lancelot and Bors. The two knights agreed to ride together in the hope they might jointly meet more adventure than they had separately. A week later they had been spectacularly unsuccessful. They were in a land unfamiliar to them but hadn't come across a soul. Eventually they spotted an ancient chapel nesting between two crags. Like the good knights that they were, they dismounted, disarmed and went inside to have a good prey. Then they both fell asleep. Sir Lancelot cantered on his way until he met a lady. She told him he used to be closer to what he sought than he was today, but now he was closer to it than ever before, if he kept to what he agreed to do. Lancelot commented, quite correctly, that these two things contradicted each other, but the lady smiled in an annoying way and told him he would soon have his questions answered. Lancelot, extremely tired of the way the quest was going for him, rode off in somewhat of a huff. Before long he came to a fork in the road. At the fork was a cross. Lancelot dismounted and prayed by the cross. Then, seemingly forgetting what had happened last time he slept by a cross at a fork in the road, he nodded off. As he slept, he dreamt, or he had a vision. A man wearing a golden crown and surrounded by stars approached him. With him were seven kings and two knights. They all prayed by the cross and then raised their hands to the sky. They asked that each get what he deserved before going to heaven. Then they fell silent. As they did, the clouds opened and a man burst through them in surrounded by angels. He blessed each of the men and told them they would get what they deserved as they were faithful servants. But then he approached the elder of the two knights. You, though, are my servant in name only. You have done bad things. You will perish if you don't give me back my treasure. The knight slunk away as the man from the sky approached the younger knight and turned him into a lion with wings. You are the best in chivalry and you will range all over the world. The winged lion rose into the sky and through the gap in the clouds up into heaven. Lancelot woke up. He prayed fervently and mounted his horse, fully armed. This was quite fortunate, as at lunchtime he met the knight who had run off with his weapons and horse a few days earlier. The joust was no contest. Lancelot, fully armed and with a sturdy horse, was too strong for the knight. He was tipped from his mount and landed on his neck, which very nearly broke on impact. Lancelot, slightly cheered, rode away. 
It seems the land he was in was simply riddled with hermitages, because he soon, soon stumbled upon another one. He was granted lodging, and was eager for conversation. At the first opportunity, he explained his dream to the hermit, and asked what it meant. "'Ah,' replied the hermit, "'we need to go way back in time to answer this one.' King Mordrain, who helped to save Josephus, son of Joseph of Arimathea, had a nephew called Selidwan. He was a true knight of God, and came over to the land of Britain, becoming king of Scotland. One night Mordrain had a vision, in which he saw nine rivers flowing from a lake. The first eight were much the same as each other, but the ninth was stronger and faster flowing, muddy at its source, but then clear and sparkling, and finally calm and smooth and beautiful to taste. The lake is Selidwan, and the eight rivers represent eight of his descendants. The first was his son, King Narpus, the next, Nacian, the third was Elian the Fat, and the fourth, Isaiah. Next came Jonan, who moved his family to Gaul, and became king there. The sixth was named Lancelot, and the seventh was his son, who became King Ban of Benwick. These seven men are the seven kings you saw in your dream. The man they accompanied was Selidwan. The eighth river in Mordrain's vision, and the older of the two knights in your dream. Who do you think they represent, Lancelot of the Lake? Well... Of course, they are you. The first seven were blessed and entered heaven, but you were told something different. The last river, beautiful and fast-flowing, is the younger knight who was turned into a lion. That was your son, Galahad. He is the noblest and purest knight, and he will soar above the world and be the best of all knights. You, Lancelot, must continue on the path which you have already been pointed. You must continue to act worthily and piously and not return to your sinful ways. Then there is hope for you. Otherwise, there is none. Lancelot ate with the hermit and then slept at the hermitage. He was getting used to the incredible discomfort of the hair shirt by now and starting to think that he definitely deserved to be wearing it. In the morning, he rode off in quiet contemplation, imploring himself not to resume his life of sin with Guinevere once the quest was over. He had been given a glimpse of hope. He had been told there was a chance he could join his illustrious ancestors, but he must stick to his new life that he had begun. He did a lot of mounted praying. Lancelot pressed on through a dark forest until around lunchtime. Just as he was beginning to feel a bit peckish, the forest opened into a huge clearing. In the clearing was a magnificent castle, with perfectly angled walls and perfectly dug ditches and moats. A meadow in front of the castle was strewn with a hundred tents, and in front of the tents were five hundred or more knights who had embarked on a tournament of jousting. Oddly, though, there were not hundreds of coats of arms on show. Some of the knights were dressed entirely in white, and some entirely in black. No other colours adorned their armour. There were more black knights than white knights, but as Lancelot watched, the white knights began to gain the upper hand. Lancelot always one to side with the underdogs, launched himself into the fray on the side of the Black Knights. He was as fearsome and mighty as ever, but no matter how hard he tried, he couldn't seem to get on top of his opponents. He unhorsed them with his lance, he slammed his sword into their armour, he pummeled them with his shield. Nothing worked. After some time, his strength was gone. He was too weak to lift his sword. Some of the White Knights carried him off and left him in the forest. Once Lancelot had gone the Black Knights were defeated easily. The White Knights came and spoke to Lancelot. We have given you your freedom, but you will only keep it if you do what we say. 
You are on our side now. Lancelot nodded his agreement. Clearly there were powerful forces at work here. He rode off morosely. Never had he been defeated in a tournament before. He reviewed his recent performance. He had lost sight of the Grail because he had done bad things. Now his physical strength was no longer up to the job either. Sir Lancelot of the Lake shrunk a little as he rode on his far-from-merry way. He was absolutely exhausted by nightfall and settled down to sleep. Of course, Lancelot had another dream. This time it was a lot shorter. A noble man descended from above and spoke to him. Ah, man of little faith and belief, why do you so easily accept the devil's ways? If you don't listen, you will plunge down into the bottomless pit from which no one returns. Lancelot slept long and well. When he woke up, he searched around for a church. Of course, he soon found one, and there he looked for a monk. This time he found a female recluse. He told her about what had happened at the tournament and his brief dream. This is easy to interpret, said the recluse. The knights in white represent the true and worthy knights who set out on the quest for the Holy Grail. The knights in black represent the unworthy knights who also set about the quest. The tournament represents the quest itself. The black knights, although there were many more of them, were not good enough or pure enough to win. The white knights, who were supported by God himself, won the day. You, Lancelot, chose to fight on the side of the black knights. You are as full of sin as any of them, and you fought on the wrong side, just as you did when you jousted with Galahad at the beginning of the quest. The white knights took you to the forest and told you that you were on their side now. This meant that you've been given the chance to be forgiven for your sins and lead a just and pure life from now on. All of the religious men you have met in the past few days have given you this advice, and you've solemnly agreed to do what they asked. But what you did as you rode away was not good. You were still thinking that way. The old way. You immediately regretted that you had not won. You wished for earthly glories of winning the battle and forgot about the heavenly path you had embarked upon. That is why you had the dream. You were told your faith and belief were already slipping, and if they slipped any further, then it was the bottomless pit of hell for you. I suggest you mend your ways, both in deed and in thought, or you will fry for all eternity. Madam, answered Lancelot, you and the various holy men I have encountered over the last few days have filled me with so much wisdom that if I sin again I will only have myself to blame. May God grant that it will never happen, said the recluse. She gave him some food and Lancelot rode off. He spent the night alone on a high crag. The following morning, having done a lot of praying, he rode until he reached the banks of the Median River. He was about to cross when he was startled by a knight wearing the blackest of black armour and riding a black charger. The knight launched himself at Lancelot, lance drawn. Lancelot had no time to react and the knight's lance hit his horse. The horse died underneath the astonished Sir Lancelot and the black knight galloped away. Lancelot was now in a spot of bother. Ahead lay the river, to each side was a high crag which would be difficult to scale without his horse. Behind them was a very dense forest. He didn't know which way to go. Any of the directions taken could lead to his death. Lancelot, newly spiritual Lancelot, sat down and prayed. Maybe God would tell him which way to go. Sir Gawain and Sir Hector slept in the chapel they had chanced upon after their week of boredom. Like Lancelot before them, these two unworthy knights dreamt. Sir Gawain dreamed that he was standing in a meadow of grass and flowers. In the middle was a hayrack, 
from which 150 bulls were feeding. All of them were dappled, except three. One was white with a few light spots, and the other two were completely white. The three were yoked together. The 150 bulls exclaimed there must be better pastures elsewhere, and why didn't they all go and seek them? With that, they scattered. When they returned, many were missing, and the ones that did make it back were weak and scrawny. Some could barely stand up. Only one of the three white bulls returned. When all of the returning bulls were together, they began to squabble amongst themselves until all the food was destroyed, and they went their separate ways. Gawain woke up, puzzled and a little disturbed. He looked over at Hector, who was also beginning to stir. He was also looking somewhat perturbed. This was Hector's dream. He and his brother Lancelot stepped down from a throne and mounted two horses. As they did so, they spoke in unison. Let us seek out what we shall never find. Lancelot was set upon by a man who stripped him naked and dressed him in a spiky robe made of holly. Then he put him on a donkey and took him to the clearest of clear springs. Lancelot, thirsty, tried to drink from the spring, but every time he tried, it disappeared from view. Disappointed, Lancelot rode back the way he came. Hector himself rode around for a little bit until he came to a great man's house where a wedding feast was taking place. He asked to be admitted to the party, but was turned away because he was dressed and mounted too proudly. He slunk away disconsolate. The two knights, Gawain and Hector, once they were fully awake, vowed they would learn the meanings of their dreams. As they were agreeing to this, they saw a hand and forearm dressed in red come into the chapel. A plain bridle hung from the arm, and a brightly burning candle was clenched in its fist. It passed in front of them to the chancel of the church and then vanished. The instant it was gone, a ghostly voice rang out. Weak knights, faithless and lacking in belief, the three things you have just seen are missing in you, in you, and because of this you will not achieve the grail. The two lights listened, awestruck. What on earth was that all about? asked Gawain. I haven't the faintest idea, replied Hector. Well, said Gawain, there's only one thing for it. We'll have to find a hermit or a holy man to interpret our dreams. Hector agreed enthusiastically, and at first light they rode off together. They met a youth who just happened to know where a really excellent dream-interpreting hermit lived. The two knights shouted their thanks and trotted off in the right direction. Before they got to the place where they would have to dismount and proceed on foot, they were accosted by a fully armed knight. As soon as the knight clapped eyes on the hermit seekers, he shouted a single word. Joust! Next time, we'll hear about the tragic and desperate outcome of this joust. Until then, have a great couple of weeks, and I'll speak to you next time.